Hello and welcome to another episode in our APW podcast series. The podcast series looks at all aspects of UK property and with me today are APW property experts Stuart and Callum Williamson. They've been helping expats with their UK property purchases for over 31 years. So hello Stuart. Hello Paul. Hello Callum. Hi Paul. I'm Paul Shearer and I've been involved in property professionally as a writer and journalist and personally as an owner and restorer. Today we're doing a short and sweet podcast. We're having a quick rummage through the APW postbox and picking out a frequently asked question, which is what, Callum? What is yield on a property? How do you calculate it? Why is it so important? What is the yield? Okay. Well, I'll ask you that then. Uh, What is it? (laughs) Yes, very good. Um, It's a measure of the return on capital. Uh, And so to calculate it, you express the annual rental income as a percentage of the value of the property. So really simple numbers. If you've got a £100,000 property, you've got £5,000 per annum rental income, then that's 5%. So that's a 5% yield. Okay. So just to repeat that, you express the annual rental income as a percentage of the value. On that calculation there, you've got a 5% yield. Is that good? Well, it's much better than leaving in the bank and getting inflation, reversing it at 7% a year. Okay, but what about um, expenses? I mean, that's a ball calculation of the value and the rental income. What about the expenses on a property? How do you, what happens to those in your calculations? You've got the gross yield, which is what we just discussed there. That would be the 5%. And then net yield is after you've taken off your costs. And this is where it becomes a bit sort of open to opinion because some people will, will try and factor in and take off all the costs associated with a purchase, which would bring that net yield right down. Uh, but I'd say the most common way of doing it is just to take off the direct and ongoing costs associated with the property. So that would be your, if it's a flat, your ground rent and service charge and your management fee, your landlord insurance. You take that off the gross, the gross yield and you get uh, net yield. What about any other ongoing costs, um, you know, cleaners or gardeners or are those all included in management fees? You can include those, but again, it depends. I mean, if it's a flat, for example, you know, the cleaning of the communal space, the garden, you won't have one, but that will all be in the, in the management fee. If it's a house, then, you know, you would hope that if there's a tenant in there, that they would be looking after that for you. You know, you may have the odd one-off expense, but yeah, I would say just for ease of calculating figures, we just go for the, for the most common reoccurring costs. Okay. So those are the reoccurring costs, but what about the purchase costs? Do you take them off the value calculation as you, the one-off costs of solicitors and stamp duty? Do you, how do you factor those into the equation or do you not? That wouldn't sure. be factored in, factored in for um, the ongoing costs. That would be the cost you would pay at outset and would be separate from them. So basically your yield is, in the most simplistic sense, what is the running cost of this property plus an element of a sinking fund? So putting some money aside for repairs, what is that as compared to the overall rental income? And that's where you get your percentage. The one-off costs would be amortized into the property from a growth perspective and offset against that. Okay. So going back to our example, say you own a property for 100000 and you're getting the 5000 annual rent. So you've got your 5% yield. What if your property then goes up to £110,000 over a year? Your rental yield would drop on that equation. 
you get the calculator out, annual rent 5,000 divided by property value 110,000. So that means that uh, your rental yield has dropped to 4.54% or 4.5%. What do you do then? Well, the ongoing rental market will tell you what to charge. And the ongoing rental market over a year will say, well, it's actually gone up overall rents in this area. So we're going to increase our rent in line with the appreciation of the property or what the market can bear. So the the rent will go up on a regular basis. And this is, again, a point that many people forget, that over a five-year period, you're going to perhaps have a 30% increase in rent. And that's very positive from a yield perspective. Yeah, and to add to that as well, you know, Yes, on paper, your rent has gone down, but your costs haven't gone up. You know, your mortgage is still the mortgage on the original the original loan. You know, when you bought it for 100000 your deposit is 30000 your mortgage is still on 70000 Your service charge is the same. Your management fee is the same. Everything's the same, you know, so it doesn't affect your cash flow. So maybe if you were buying it new and you were having to get a larger mortgage, then you should consider it. But if you already own it, then yeah, just keep it. Okay. Looking at then, in our example, we've got a 5% rental yield. What would be a good rental yield? I was talking to a lady today, and she has a flat in Soho that cost her £2 million. She's gone to rent it out, and they've offered her £1,000 a week for it. And she said, that's disgraceful. You know, I'm not going to rent a place out for that. And in reality, reality is, it's the right price because that's £4,000 a month, £48,000 a year, which equates to about 3%. And that's really what you're going to get in city centres, whereas a good rental yield is anything from 6% up. And if you go up into the HMO stratosphere, you're talking about 12%, but good rental yields are normally 6% plus. But again, the caveat is with a good tenant. If you haven't got a good tenant, if you've got someone that's going to treat your place like rubbish, trash it every weekend and you're going to spend more doing it back up again and so your yield overall is going to reduce so it's six percent and a good tenant in a good ties environment yeah what about different regions uh callum yeah well different i think um you know you get a lot of hardcore uh investors you know that that just look at the yield you know i need eight nine percent yield to make the figures work i mean if you have a really low property value, naturally your yield is going to be a bit higher, you know, so you're not, if you're buying in the places where you have a very high yield, it's probably because the property prices are a little bit lower. So what goes along with that? Well, you're not necessarily going to get the capital appreciation. You may have a slightly lower quality of tenant as, as Stuart mentioned, you know, so you do get a lot of people that look for a very high yield and there's the Telegraph buy to let tracker. And if you have a look at that, that'll show you the UK's highest yielding locations doesn't necessarily mean it's the best place to buy you know because if if you're constantly switching tenants you're not going to get the eight percent yield you know with three months empty it might come down to six so you might as well buy in a place where you're going to be getting six anyway but a, a quality of tenant so so your goals it depends on your goals again you know i think Yes, I think that that's if you're going to be in something for the long term, Stuart, you mentioned that you shouldn't really buy somewhere unless you're thinking of owning it for 10 years, that you have entered into a relationship not only with the property itself and the people that maybe if you're going to employ a managing agent, the people who are looking after it for you, but you've also entered into a relationship with the people who are going to be living there and how you manage and negotiate that relationship is up to you. 
It's it's a fact. I mean, I've got a client in Hong Kong is a nightmare landlord. You know, he does nothing for his apartments, for his houses. And he, when people complain, he's just like, well, it's not my problem. You know, live with it. And, you know, that is not going to get any repeats of those tenants. And they're not going to treat his place with any love. And really, morally, is that the right way to do it? I don't think so. It'd be much better if you rent it out and take care of the clients. And if you give them, you know, just an extra bit, like bottles of something on their birthdays or a cake, these sort of things. If they stay an extra two or three months, that is money well spent. So it's worthwhile investing in your clients to make sure they are taken care of. And if you look at places like, going back to the point, the question earlier on, if you look at places that are supposedly giving the best yield, by no means are they giving the best tenants and it won't give you the best return on your money, even though the yield is high. So, you know, look for a place with a good socio-demographic profile that has got mostly professionals who are renting on a two-year-plus lease, not short-term stuff. That sounds like excellent advice to uh, end this short and sweet podcast on. My thanks to Stuart. Thank you, Paul. And to Callum. Thanks, Paul. Uh, that's us done for today. Uh, next week, we'll be mooching around the market and seeing what happened in June. Until then, goodbye from all of us. My name's Paul Shearer. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast series produced for APW by Emma Holton at Brilliant Audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe, hit like, share it with your friends. If you didn't, keep stum. You can find more episodes in all your usual podcasts.